you can turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, you've been hearing the phrase or term transformation time 2017. What we decided to do to give that some flavor is we want to hashtag that, hashtag transformation time 2017. If God is doing some amazing things or you know of stories where transformation is taking place, we want to encourage you to post on social media and then throw a hashtag in front of it because we want to celebrate all that God is doing. In your Bibles, today we're going to talk about a subject that is becoming more intentional and near and dear in my heart, but we want to jump into the Word of God first and foremost. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to verses 17. If you have it, say amen. amen. So it's those who have been chosen, or maybe your version says election, to those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving. Everybody say forgive. And forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of, uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Lord, we want to thank you for your word, for your word is truth. It is not boring. It has not outlived its usefulness. These words were life before they were words on a page. These words were life 2,000 years ago, and these words are life forever. Today, would you soften our hearts as we talk about the difficult subject matter called forgiveness. And so, Lord, I pray that you would get our attention and that you would use the multiple things we are going to experience in the next few moments to get a hold of us and to tell us, God, we've been forgiven so we must extend forgiveness. We ask these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you believe this, would you say amen? I have a confession. And before you judge me, I think this applies to all of us. I like to hold a grudge. I hold on to them for a long time. I like to look at them, analyze them. I wear them on my sleeve. It's almost a badge of honor sometimes. 
Sometimes I give it up to God. You hear people, give it to God. Sometimes I give it, but I come back and take it again. Right? Don't we do that? Yeah. Because I want forgiveness on my terms. I want that person who's offended me to come to me, admit what they've done, how they've hurt me. I want to punish them. I want them to hurt like I've hurt. So I hold on to it. Isn't that what we do? We hold on to it. Because part of me feels if I do release it, that means what happened to me really didn't happen and I don't matter. So I hold on to it. Over time, it becomes a part of me. It becomes a part of my identity. It becomes an excuse why I choose the things I do. Because that happened to me, that's why I do. So it becomes a part of me. And so, when you ask me to release it, that kind of gets scary at times, because it's all I've known. I've held on to it for so long. What will I be left with? I really won't know my identity, because it's become my identity. Because we like to label people. We all do it. Oh, so-and-so, you know what happened to them? You know what that person did to them? And we like to compare it with each other, too, don't we? This is what so-and-so did to me. Or this happened today, and we're like, oh, I can top that, right? And we're like, yeah, you win. Or we think, what am I being so upset about? Because I don't have it as bad as them. But that's not really letting it go. We just stuff it farther, and then we put the shame on it because we feel guilty that we're still in pain. So I want to talk to you about what forgiveness isn't for a moment, because I think that'll help you let it go. Forgiveness isn't making an excuse for the offense. Forgiveness isn't justifying it. God calls sin, sin. He will never call evil okay or right. Forgiveness isn't admitting, isn't saying you're not hurt. You know, we like to put on our proud faces and pretend things don't bother us. But forgiveness isn't pretending that it doesn't hurt, that the pain isn't there. And to truly forgive, we really need to acknowledge that pain and admit to ourselves, admit to God, the impact it's had on our life. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. There's that saying, time heals all wounds, and there's a little bit of truth in that. But depending what the offense is, and I imagine a crowd like us, there's some pretty horrific things that have happened to us that it's hard to let go of, to forgive. And so those things stay with us. And God didn't create us not to have a history. He wants us to use that history so that when the next offense, the next storm comes through, we can look back and say, look what God brought me through before. I'm going to get through this. And also so we can share with other people what God's done for us and help them. Right? Yes. So we're to forgive. It's very hard, though. It's still very hard. So as we look at forgiveness today, what is forgiveness? I've looked at a little bit what it's not. Forgiveness is very powerful. It really unlocks something in us when we choose to forgive so that God can start healing that pain. Forgiveness is very powerful. You just look at the cross and we know how powerful it is. You know, Pastor Lee quoted in Colossians, we forgive because he's forgiven. 
the cross shows how powerful, the cross and the resurrection shows how powerful forgiveness is. And it should be enough for us that God says we're to forgive. The creator of the universe, the creator of us, who wants the best for us says to forgive. But it's not like a payback. He forgives, so we got to forgive. He wants it for our own well-being because we're the ones that we are hurting when we choose not to forgive. Most of the time, whoever's done the offense is clueless, you know, or they don't care, you know. So it's for our benefit to forgive, and it's a choice. God gave us a free will. He gave us, you know, domain over our own life to choose what we do. He gives us, you know, things to, like this. It's not just a suggestion. He tells us to do it, but it's for our own good. But when we truly start to embrace what he did for us, what all he does for us every day, it should come easier to us to forgive those around us. Because as long as we're in relationships, as long as we're here on this earth, we're going to get hurt, we're going to have offenses, we're going to be wanting to hold on to them, we're not going to want to give them up. But once we put our eyes on Jesus, and know what he's done to forgive us. Truly know what that means. It just makes that way through us so much easier in everything we do, in our deeds, our thoughts, to forgive people. And again, it's a choice. It's a decision, a decision to release this, whatever it is. What is it that you have that you've been holding on to? Maybe you're there going, well, I can't think of anything. Ask God. It might be something you're not even really aware you're still holding on to. And it might be a person, it may be the offense itself, an event, it may be you. You know, are you angry at yourself for maybe some decisions you made or things you've done? Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you've been holding a grudge against God. You know, a lot of our things deep down is we're angry at God for maybe the way our life didn't turn out how we hoped or whatever. Not that he needs our forgiveness or deserves our forgiveness, I mean... He's got nothing to forgive. I mean, there's nothing for us to forgive him for. He's done so much for us. But maybe for our sake, we need to let it go. So again, it's a choice. Choice really to trust him with whatever it is you're holding on to. So can you make that decision today to release it? We're talking about the difficult subject of forgiveness. If you've ever held unforgiveness in a moment of complete transparency, could you just slip your hand up and just lower it back down? We've been praying for you. When I was approached about what's going to be the last thing you're going to talk about in this great series of Transformation Time 2017, it was not only last year, but I was boldly challenged by, by someone Pastor, we don't dare cross over the river without really setting up a monument to God that we are going to live lives of transformation because we understand how important it is to forgive. And so that's what we're approaching this morning. I want to simply talk to you about three simple things. 
First, I want to talk to you about the beautiful identity that believers have in Christ. If your identity is in the pain of your past or what someone did to you or did not do to you, your identity is in something that will leave you circling the drain for the rest of your life. Our identity is in Christ, and it's beautiful. The second thing I want to simply talk to you about this morning is when forgiveness is the, the foundation of our beauty. In other words, if it's foundational, that means it's always there. We never choose as believers, as Christians, to live life thinking that we only have to forgive one time in our life. No, 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 no. If you have children, I see some parents shaking their head. And number three, when we continue in the beauty treatment of Christ, in other words, there is a method or there is a way that Christians are called to walk that the world does not exercise. In other words, how we approach each other and the world, we're called to do it effectively. So we need to continue in the beauty treatment of Christ. And so I want to go through these quickly, and then I want you guys to make allowance uh, for the time that we're going to save at the end for God to do some good things in our heart. How many believe that God wants his children to live lives of freedom? Basically the whole room. So let me just share a thought as I was preparing this. Justification... That's Paul's word. We know it as salvation or justification is the work that God has done and it has nothing to do with what we bring to the table. That's justification. So our salvation is totally separate from ourselves. Everybody understand that, right? That's theologically foundational to everything it means to be a Christian. In other words, we cannot, we did not save ourselves. That's what Paul knows as justification. Sanctification. Oh, let me preach the second. Sanctification is the lifelong difficult process of becoming more like Jesus. And I said it's lifelong because just when you think you're sanctified, somebody cuts you off. Somebody says something, you get an email, and you're like, I can't believe they CC'd that person. Ooh. And you start typing. Sanctification is that process of shaping. Now, I want to make a bold statement. I've been pastoring for a number of years now, and as I've met with people and as I've talked with people, I want to make a statement so bold that it may cause you to bristle. I'm convinced as a pastor, as I've talked with people, that the sanctification process in our lives, the biggest thing that slows down the sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. The biggest thing, more than more, uh, pornography, more than drugs or pride or anything, one of the biggest things that I've seen when I've talked to people that causes them to stop being shaped into the image of Jesus Christ is unforgiveness. It stops, it, it, it derails so many people and so I want to share with you the beautiful identity that belongs. If you look at verse 12 in Colossians chapter 3, it says it this way. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on 
a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, how many English majors do we have in the room? Or you just love English. You, you just crushed it in school. You show off, you make me sick. Anyway, <clears throat> if you were an English major or if you love English and you just like to see how language is crafted, there is something in literature and it's called um, uh, indicatives and imperatives. And see, I see some of you guys shake your heads because you already know what that means. An indicative is it indicates what has been done to and for the believer. So what I want to show you in Scripture, it says in verse 12, so as those who have been chosen of God. In other words, that's the indicative. You have been chosen of God. You have been chosen of God. If you're a believer, you have been chosen of God. And Paul does this brilliantly through all of his writings. He says, this is the indicative. And sometimes the indicative comes first, sometimes the imperative, or sometimes it's the other way around. The imperative, and this will change the way you read Scripture. The imperative, it tells us what and why, or it tells us what, we should do in response to what has been done for us. So rather than reading scripture, so as those who have been chosen, if you're a Christian, that means you've been chosen. And so it tells you a command of what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put on a heart of compassion. How many people struggle to be compassionate? We've been praying for you. How many people struggle with humility? How many people struggle with humility? If your hand isn't up, you're struggling with humility. <laughs> you really are. Because it's easy. Let me give you this case in point. You can think that you're the most humble person until you see somebody else mess up and you've been telling them what's going to happen. Don't you feel that like, uh-huh, you didn't listen. That's why you're in the condition you're in. And so God's people, our identity is not found in uh, self-performance. Our identity is not, it's never found in what we do. It's found in what has been given for us. And those are the things like compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. If you're a student of the Bible, you know what those are. They're the, the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, we can live lives of humility and gentleness. Why can we live that? Because of what we bring to the table? No, it's because we're chosen by God. So you have the ability. The second thing I want to talk to you briefly about is when forgiveness is the foundation of your beauty. There's a passage in the Bible where Peter is standing before Christ and he says, almost arrogantly, almost pridefully, uh, how many times am I uh, supposed to forgive? Seven times? And Jesus, his response to him says, no, 70 times. So it's Jesus telling us only to re, uh, forgive 490 times. What Jesus is saying is, buddy, you will be working through this for the rest of your days. Anybody ever forgiven somebody like more than once? The same person for the same offense? And you have to do it over and over and you're like, oh, when are they going to get this? We should live 
in the foundation of forgiveness, I think of it this way. Some of you health, uh, health lovers, you're going to appreciate this. When I was preparing this, a phrase or an image came into my mind. And I think it's something that's going to help me really walk into a lifestyle of forgiveness. I consider now forgiveness to be the, the detox that needs to happen in the Christian life. Forgiveness should be a detox. When you start sucking your teeth at that person, Craig Zerby, mm, the way you play those Tiffany's, you make me sick. When, when you start feeling that way, you need a detox. And the formula I want to give to you is forgiveness. You need to flush that poison out of your Christian digestive system. And there are people who, they're going, they're right with God, but they're struggling with unforgiveness. And I'm telling you, you will go around the desert for the rest of your life until you learn to forgive. And I'm just talking about myself. I shared with the prayer team earlier before service, I said, there was an individual, um, it was a pastor, and I struggled with some offense that he had done to me, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally. I love how Carol said that because most of the people that we think they need to apologize to us, half the time they don't even know or they don't even care. And so we're going around and we're struggling for unfor with unforgiveness for them. So I want to encourage you, before we go on and we experience transformation, it needs to be foundational. Why? Because Christ has forgiven us. Sally and I went to Vegas a couple years back. <clears throat> I encourage you, don't go to Vegas. It's hot. You're out by the pool and your skin is baking. I'm black, so it's really baking, you know. And, and so it's one of those things. And we heard of a, a, an individual. When we were in one of the restaurants, we heard of an individual who was in to one of the casinos out there. He had a little jazz bar, and I guess he borrowed some money. And he was into the casino, one of the big casinos out there, 800 large. For you young jitterbugs, when you say large, that means a grand. So he owed the casino uh, 800000 and it was time for them to collect. So they uh, sent a limo for him, forced him in. It's just like in the movies. And they drug him to the main office of one of those casinos, and they were basically, they told him, we're going to destroy you, we're going to destroy your family, we're going to hurt you and cause you physical pain because you owe us $800,000. The individual was eventually talked his way out of it, or he said, listen, give me more time. So they gave him more time. So he goes back to his jazz corner, um, and he's sitting there, and he finds out there's another individual um, who owed him a 1000 bucks, And he actually called the police on that guy. Wait a minute. 800000 A grand? You just got forgiven 800000 and now you're going to go crazy over a grand? What's the difference? Now, the story I just told you didn't happen at all to Sally and I. That's why she's like, huh? She's on the front row going, I don't remember that story. The story I just told you is a made-up modern-day interpretation of Matthew chapter 18. 
It's a parable about a guy who held on to unforgiveness and he had a debt that he could never repay in his lifetime. And the person he owed it to forgave him. And then he went out and a guy owed him like a thousand bucks. And he uh, was like, it says he assaulted him. That's how we are. A lot of us. And what's the biggest poison when it comes to unforgiveness? Now I'm going to preach here and I know it's going to, I'm stepping on toes. But I've had to walk through this and I am walking through it currently as we speak. The worst kind of unforgiveness is when you try to convince yourself you're okay. That's the worst kind of unforgiveness. Because you're not okay. It's impacting how you're making decisions. It's impacting everything about you. And I don't want this church to go forward into 2017 trying to walk in the victory that God has for us when we're injured inside and we refuse to deal with it. So I'm calling you to have forgiveness as the foundation of your beauty. Listen, I don't know how forgiveness looks for you. It's none of my business. I got my own issues that I'm walking through. But forgiveness is necessary. And number three. When we continue in the beauty treatment of Christ. Now, I shared with you the indicative and imperative. In other words, this indicates what Christ has done for us. He's given us a new identity, and it's called patience. It's called humility. It's called gentleness. And he says, the reason why we forgive is simple. I know you guys were waiting for something profound, but the profoundness is in the simplicity. We simply forgive people who have offended us because we have been forgiven. That's it. You guys are waiting for the hallelujah moment. We're so busy looking for the feeling that we're not going to find the truth. So I want to encourage you to live as, with forgiveness as your foundation. And number three, some closing thoughts. Let's read it together, verses 14 through 17. It says, after we forgive because we have ourselves been forgiven... Verse 14 through 17 simply says this, beyond all things put on, what's it say? Put on what? Put on what? Don't you wish you had Microsoft Office right now where you can cut and paste? You're like, I struggle with that. Or worse yet, you're just going to, oh, okay, pastor, and you're waiting for next week's sermon and you're not experiencing the truth of this sermon. Verse 14, put on all the, beyond all these things, those fruit of the spirit that was mentioned earlier, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ, now I'm convinced of this, in the modern-day evangelical church, when we get together for healing services, I'm convinced, and I've been at the altar praying for me, or praying for individuals, and God will tell me, you need to pray for this person. The person comes forward, and they're praying, I'm having migraine headaches, this is happening to my body. I'm convinced, and I can't prove this, I'm not smart enough to prove it, but I think there's a direct connection to physical ailments and unforgiveness. 
I'm convinced of it. I've been at the altar praying for people, and all of a sudden they say, I've been suffering with, and again, this is not a, a blanket statement on if you're walking through some kind of physical sickness. But I've been in the moment where I'm praying, and the Holy Spirit will tell me, don't pray for that. The reason why they're struggling is because their body is releasing and acting in an unhealthy way because they're still struggling for something that happened at 13. Unforgiveness. And so I want to encourage you guys, when you forgive, forgive quickly. When you forgive, forgive everyone. When you forgive, forgive yourself. And this is the last point I'll, I'll make on number two. I say forgive yourself not because you've done something wrong, but oftentimes when you struggle with an area of unforgiveness, you think everyone struggles with that same area. In other words, we oftentimes are offended by the very things that we are doing. We oftentimes are offended by the very thing that we are doing. So number three says, when we continue in the beauty treatment of Christ, make sure you are, and I want to say this, these are Lee's words, not the Bible's words. When you're reading verses 14 through 17, God tells his people, in other words, he gives them a formula to be dressed for success. To be dressed for success. Now, I'm convinced that when I got up here this morning or when I came on the church ground that I had the best outfit on between my wife and I. It didn't take many of you guys telling me, wow, Sally looks good. You tried to match her. <laughs> and yes, baby, you look good. But God wants his people to be dressed for success. How can you be the children of God when you're refusing to apply the truths of God to how you conduct your life? So make sure you're dressed for success. Where do we find out how to get dressed? We've put on the things that he says. Let the peace, put on peace so it can rule your hearts. You were called into one body. Verse 16, let the word of Christ put it on so it can richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with singing and with hymns and spiritual songs, singing songs of thankfulness. And then verse 17, whatever you do, do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You hear that theme of Jesus repeating? So let me say it this way. Let me end with these couple phrases. Um, Jesus is the only way that you can live a lifestyle of forgiveness. I'm convinced of it. Who's been walking with Christ, and this is not a braggadocious thing. I don't know. I can't even spell that. Anyway, who's been walking with Christ for more than a decade? So you've been walking with Christ. How many times have you tried to walk in your own strength? How long did it last? Not your stubbornness. How long did trying to walk in your own strength? You get exposed pretty quickly. And you can put on the spiritual front and make everybody think it's okay. So make sure you're dressed for success. The next thing I just, uh, let me just close with this, and then we want to do an exercise. <clears throat> As Christians, 
I'm always encouraging God's people, let's be dressed for success. And we are called to look good. But a truth hit me, a nugget. I mean, the Holy Spirit hit me with this this week. It was so powerful. He said, Lee, <clears throat> problem is we have a whole bunch of Christians wearing good-looking outfits when I haven't called Christians to wear outfits of their own choosing, I've called them to wear uniforms of my choosing. See, if we're wearing uniforms, that means we're representing someone other than our own self. Amen? So this thing has never been about Lee. It's never been about you. Once you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you not only enter and you are guaranteed to uh, enter eternity, but you have given up your own identity. And the fact that you're a doctor, the fact that you're a CEO, the fact that you're a teacher, the fact that you're African-American or male or female, all those things are just tools that God wants to use. You get that, right? It's not about you anymore. People say, ah, Pastor Lee, what do you think about black liberation theology? I don't. Well, you're not black. Yes, I am. But what do you think about it? I don't. Because my identity died the moment I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. So the fact that I'm African-American or the fact that you're male or the fact that you're young or you're a millennial or that you're good at worship or that you're good at preaching or teaching or facilitating, all those things are just simply tools that God wants to use. You don't get to wear your own identity. You better start wearing the uniform of the Savior. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you. Lord, I heard some wisdom that was spoken to me. The person or persons in our group said, I want to have peace, so I choose to live in a lifestyle of forgiveness. Another person said about the richness of just modeling forgiveness in front of his family. And another person said the vertical relationship is always intact when we live in a lifestyle of forgiveness. So as we transform... In 2017, God, I pray that we would do the tough work, but the, the continued work of wearing the uniforms of our Savior. And that's where we find our identity. In Jesus' name we pray and let the church say, Amen. You guys have a great week.